John chapter 15. Pastor Shina did an excellent job last Sunday. If you are not here, you need to go back and listen to that message. And I'm just going to take my cue from where he left off last Sunday. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And uh, I'm going to call this bringing forth eternal fruit. Bringing forth eternal fruit. John chapter 15. Verse 1. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, it prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Let me just read one more passage and then we're going to launch into this very, very short exhortation. In John chapter 4, in verse 31, John chapter 4, no, no verse 31, I'm sorry. John chapter 4, verse 36. No, verse 38. One verse is good enough. John 4, 38. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. So again this morning, I just want to build a little bit on the fantastic job that Pastor Shina did last Sunday in speaking to us from John chapter 15. And when you look at this passage in John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Let me just stop right there for a minute. Back in Exodus chapter 3, in verse 13, when God was asking Moses to go deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses asked God a question. Okay, you are giving me this instruction to go back to Egypt and get my people out of Egypt. Sir, who shall I tell them is sending me? Moses asked God the question. You are giving me all these instructions. What is your identity? By whose authority are you sending me to Pharaoh to go get your people out? Who are you? God only had one sentence to give him. Tell them, I am that I am. I don't know what your situation is today. I don't know what you are faced with. I don't know what you are going through. I don't know what you need. 
But in that answer that God gave to Moses is a one size fits all. If prosperity is what you are seeking, I am prosperity. If healing is what you are looking for, I am healing. If peace is what you are looking for, I am peace. Uh, If you are looking for a husband, I am your husband. Uh, I say, if you are looking for a wife, I am a wife. Whatever you want him to be, I am that I am. But I can just picture in my mind's eyes as God gave that answer to Moses. He must have left the presence of God scratching his head. How do I go back to Pharaoh or the Israelites and tell them that I am as sent me? What sense would that have made to these people? I am means eternally self-existing one. Just so you put this in perspective, if you are growing up around my age, back in the days, Muhammad Ali will come to the stage and, and tell everybody, I am the greatest. I float like a butterfly and stink like a bee. I am the greatest. And for a season, in boxing era, he was the greatest boxer that ever lived. But in 2014, Ali cannot make that claim. Why? He is not eternally self-existent. Ali existed within a time frame. There was a window when he could boast and said, I am the greatest. But today, that would be a lie. But God told Moses, tell them the eternally self-existing one. In other words, I don't need anything else or anyone else to exist. Before time was, I am. When time is over, I will be. I am eternally self-existent. Tell them I am that I am essential. Moses must have had challenges. How do I go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the earth at that time and say, I am sent me. And when he did so, Pharaoh said to Moses, who is God? He actually asked him the question. If we ever to know who God is, God will have to be defined through the manifestation of his son Jesus. In John chapter 14, the disciples were asking Jesus, show us the father that we may know them. We may know him. He said, really? You've been with me this long and you want me to show you the father? Don't you understand that when you're seeing me, you're seeing the father? So in the book of John, As we just read in John chapter 15, Jesus came to answer the question that Moses was asking. Who are you, God? Who is it that is sending me? Who are you? Who do you claim to be? Eight times 
in this book of John, Jesus, the full expression, the bright image, the final revelation, the complete word of God came and told us who God is. In John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. If you are hungry, don't go to Golden Corral. <laughs> what Golden Corral will give you will pass through you and you'll be hungry the next day. I am the bread of life, he announces. Then he goes on in John chapter 8. I am the light of the world. You don't have to walk in darkness. If you need spiritual understanding and revelation of who God is, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10 in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Notice that definitive article. He just did not say I'm the shepherd. There are some bad shepherds out there. But he wants you to know, I am the good shepherd. If you're looking for anything good out of life, don't look anywhere else. There is a shepherd in heaven. Who wants to be the shepherd over your life? I am the good shepherd. In John chapter uh, 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't have to be lost on the earth. Jesus is the way pointing to God. In John chapter 10 verse 9, he said, I am the door of the sheepfold. By me, you can come in and go out and find peace or pasture for your life. In John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. So Jesus, in his earthly ministry, came to define for me and you who God is. But I like what is said in John chapter uh, 8. In verse 56. You see, because he knows he's dealing with people who are so religiously steeped in their mind and thinking. The Pharisees. The people that had learned about love Moses. And everywhere he went, they would confront him with the image of Moses or Abraham. So he said to them in verse 56. Your father Abraham, he saw my day and was glad. And then in verse 58 he said to them, before Abraham was, I am. Whoa. You are, not old, you are not even 50 years old. You're going to tell us before Abraham was, you are? I know I used to think about that for a minute. Until just recently. In Genesis chapter 15. Indeed. After Abraham had returned from the slaughter and the victory. When Melchizedek met him, Genesis 14. If you remember chapter 15 verse 1, the word of the Lord, the Bible says, actually, the word of the Lord came to Abraham saying, fear not Abraham. What did he say next? I am your shield protection and exceeding great reward provision. What is it you need? I am your shield, your protection and your exceedingly great reward. So Jesus, when he was telling them that before Abraham was, I was, and that Abraham saw his day and was glad because Jesus appeared to Abraham in Genesis 15 and gave him the word of assurance, I am that shield and your exceeding great 
reward. So in John 15, back to John 15 now, when I'm looking at the clock, Jesus introduced this passage by saying, I am the true vine. Notice he just did not say, I am the vine. Obviously, John 15 came after John 13, where they had had the Last Supper. And from there, Jesus came out of the room and walking to Gethsemane because now the time had come for him to be offered up. And in that region, he had to have walked past the temple. Now, you must understand that the vine for Israel was a national symbol, just as an eagle is for the United States. So, all over their history and landmark, the vine was everywhere present. If you read the Old Testament, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, over and on and on and on and on, God talks to Israel about, about the vine, and Israel believed symbolically that they were the vine of God. So, Jesus... On his way to Gethsemane, had to pass by the temple. And the temple doors were engraved with his golden image of a vine tree. So you can just picture in your mind's eye, he's going to the garden to be offered up, him and his disciples, and he sees this huge door engraved and uh, upon it a picture of the vine. And immediately... He recalls all the history, I mean, all the Jewish leaders, Moses, Abraham, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and all of these great men of God. And at the same time, he fast forwards. He knows that in a moment after his crucifixion, these men, these disciples that are working with him will have to make a decision. Why? Because now after his crucifixion, they will excommunicate them. They cannot go back to the synagogue. They cannot go back to Judaism. They're going to have to make a decision. They will have to make a choice. Because after Jesus is crucified, dead and buried, the elders will come back and say, they will not tell you. They will not say to you, this man is not a real deal. So he was preparing them for what is to come. He's telling them, listen, I know about Moses. I know about Isaiah. I know about Abraham. And not only that, I know what will happen to you in a few days. In a few days, your families will disown you. In a few days, you can't go back to church as you used to be. You need to know that even though you have elders, these scribes, and the Pharisees running the affairs of the nation, don't misunderstand their position with who I am. Yes, I'm looking at the vine on the door, but you need to know the real vine is the one that's with you right now. I am eternally self-existing. The true vine through which the fruitfulness of your life will come. If you're ever going to be fruitful, if you're ever going to be productive, if your life is ever going to mean anything, it will not be by the Pharisees or the elders or the scribes. It will have to come through the true vine. The one that has life in itself and who has the ability to give life to others who are connected to it. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Just to wrap this up, let's go back to the picture that Pastor Shino showed us last Sunday. Sunday. You see the picture of the vine? He has a, he has a, a stem or a stalk and branches on it. Now, right 
chapter 4, verse 38, for, for a reason. Jesus said, I'm sending you to reap where you have not labored. Others have labored and you enter into their labor. Or if you will, you enter into their rest. What's the point I'm making? Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser or the husband man or if you will, the gardener. So this plant that you are looking at was a thought in my father's mind. My father, the gardener, is the one that initiated it. If my father did not think it, there would be no vine. My wife loves to do gardening. We have about almost an acre of yard in my house. I can't go near the place. And if anything plants or is planted, it's going because she takes the initiative. So Jesus said, my father is a husband man. He plants the vine, but I am the vine. And you are the branches. In all of my 60 years, Pastor Charles, I've never seen a branch sweating, praying to come up with food. A branch, a mango tree. You will never find a branch on a mango tree toiling, praying. Oh, mango, come, come, come forth. Hey, mango. Never. If it's a mango tree and it is healthy and the roots are in the ground by automation in its right season, that branch must give fuck the fruit. So I don't understand this thing why people don't understand what God has done. The point I'm making, Jesus said, I'm sending you to reap where you have not labored. Who did the laboring? God. God has labored. He has done the work. He has finished the work. He's just said, be attached to me. Be connected to me. Because if you are connected to my finished work, the automatic result, you will be productive. You will bring forth fruit. You will prosper. You will be healed. God's provision is already made. You don't have to labor for it. Just labor to enter into his rest. I'm sending you to reap where you have not labored. Who did the laboring? The vine dresser. The husband man. He's planted the vine. Jesus is the vine. And we are the branches. And just like the apple tree or the mango tree never have to toil to produce. We should never have to toil. Except under one condition. And this is where I close. Because of time. When you look at a vine that's planted into the soil, the root simply takes the nutrients from the soil and transports it in the sap and supplies the branches and the branches will respond by producing. So for the believer, what does that mean? This is where I want to close this afternoon. Where does it mean for me and you? Why are we not producing? Why is fruit not abounding? There can only be one reason. There are not two reasons. There are not 19 reasons. Only one. And you can find that reason in Acts chapter 19. Please, let's go there together. And I'm done. I developed this for another time. Acts 19. 
Listen to what happened. Verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It is amazing to me that when we see people, we are asking them, Are you born again? Or perhaps we're asking them, when were you born again? When did you say the sinner's prayer? Wrong question. You will never find any credence for that in the Bible. We came up with those questions, not God. The legitimate question to ask, did you receive the spirit when you believed? Why? Why is that legit? Because in Romans chapter 8, in verse 9, Look at what it says. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, look at this last sentence. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. The issue is not whether you are eternally secured or unconditional salvation. Wrong questions. The issue is, is the spirit of God living in you? Because if you are born again, when a person truly, genuinely becomes born again, it is automatic. The spirit of God dwells in that person. The spirit of God is like the sap that's coming from the root through the stalk, flowing into the branches to cause production of fruit. So if you don't have the spirit of God, I don't care how many seminars you go to. I don't care how much you read. I don't care how hard you pray. If the spirit of God is not in you, you are not born again. It is impossible. It is not possible for a person to be born again and not have the spirit of God living within them. Conversely, if the spirit of God is in you, then you are an unstoppable man. You are an unstoppable woman. Nothing can stop you. I don't care if it's hell or high waters, the rages or the floods. If the spirit of God is in you, one with God is more than a majority. And there is no opposition. There is nothing that can stop you because the spirit of almighty God that's dwelling within you we always give you the victory. The Bible says the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us. When we're born again, that's what happens. So I really want you to consider that this morning. How do you know the spirit of God is in you? How do you know? If the spirit of God is in you, you hear him. You hear him. If you're not hearing him, chances are the spirit of God is not in you. And if the spirit of God is not in you, you need to be born again. Forget when you said the prayer and how you wrote it in your Bible. I, I said the sinner's prayer, August 2, 1933. It doesn't count. It doesn't matter. When you said the prayer, you see, because the prayer did not save you. Prayer cannot, did not save you. There's only one person that saves you. Jesus. Jesus is who saves, not the prayer. 
You may connect with him through prayer, but Jesus ultimately is the person that saves. That's what makes him the savior of the world. Now, Jesus himself needed to be empowered by the spirit to do what he did for God. And in John chapter 20 verse 21, he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the spirit of God and then told them, as the father has sent me, so send are you. That's where I'm going with this message. You see, if you and I are spirit empowered persons, then we will be messengers for God. It's the non-negotiable. If you are spirit endued and empowered, then as God sent Jesus, even so is sending us. The call that once just ministered, where he sends us, we will go. Are we willing to go? Are we willing to go? Are we willing to answer? Are we willing to respond to him? So with all heads bowed this morning, I want to pray. I want you to ask yourself the question, are you truly connected to the vine? Are you connected to the vine? Are you receiving the life of God through the vine to produce fruit? Or are we just a mere decoration? You know those Christmas tree decorations? cannot do anything, but they're just there. They're just decorations. I pray to God that none of us here this morning will be a decoration. But in fact and indeed, we are true, genuine, born again believers. And if we're not, you have the opportunity right now. To draw on the life of God, the spirit of grace, to enter into a relationship with God, and so that your life can take a turn around. If you are here right now under the sound of my voice, say, Pastor, I am not sure. I am not sure that I have the life of God in me. I want to get that right. I want to make sure that if anything should happen to me, I know with a certainty that I'm, I'm part of the family of God. I want you to fix that right now by simply lifting your hand where you are. Let me pray with you. If you're here and say, I want the spirit of God to dwell in me. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to be born again. Is there anybody here today? Is there anybody here today? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you're already born again then, and you know you're not being productive, then you need to start Asking the Spirit of God to help you with the fruit of obedience to begin to respond to God and to obey God and to obey His promptings in your life so that you will be productive in Jesus' name. I am the true vine. It is only and in Him that you and I can live a productive, fruitful life. And so I want to challenge you as you go out from here today. Go tell your friend. Find someone. Begin to bring forth food. Challenge somebody. Introduce them to this man who is eternally self-existent. 
who is willing to be the answer to whatever it is that ails them. Let Jesus use your mouth. Let him use your legs and your hands to touch someone, to be a blessing to someone. Amen? For this reason, for this reason he's brought you into his kingdom. So that through you, he can extend the frontiers of his kingdom. And so, Father, we want to thank you right now for every man and woman under the sound of my voice. My Lord God, in Jesus' name, as the eternally self-existing one, we bless you, we thank you, we praise you for your wonderful loving kindness towards us. The loving kindness with which you drew us. The everlasting love with which you established us. Thank you for loving us. We embrace your love. We receive your love. We bless you for that love. And we thank you for your spirit that you sent to dwell in us. And so, Lord God, I pray this morning in Jesus' name that you will activate the Holy Spirit within each one of us. That as the Father has sent you and you obeyed, even so, God, you are sending us and will respond in obedience. We thank you for the fruit of obedience from your people. We bless you and we honor you because you are a great God. In Jesus' name, amen.